Welcome to the Too Bad Eugene podcast. I'm your host, Adam Nye. Let's talk Too Bad Eugene. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to you all. I hope you're all having a fantastic uh, week before Christmas. Uh, I know I am. I'm looking forward to this coming week. Uh, just got back from a Christmas sing-along party. Uh, lots of fun stuff to look forward to this week. Um, we just released our new Christmas single, Washington Square. I hope you checked that out uh, and you're enjoying it. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut to the chase here, kind of quick, because this week I have an interview um, that's gonna play in just a few minutes. Uh, it's a conversation between myself and Jason Reagan. Jason is a guy I go back to high school with. He, um, he was in a band, uh, back in the nineties and early two thousands called next in line. Um, and, uh, then he's played in Craig's brother and, uh, he is now playing guitar with too bad Eugene as well. He, uh, he wasn't on the record, um, started playing with us just as we were finishing that, but then um, is on the Christmas single. So if you're checking that out, you're hearing both Jason and Sam rocking those guitars. Um, I'm going to just kind of briefly talk about this week's song, which is I Lost the World. Um, and the reason I'm only going to briefly talk about it is the topic of this song is one that is uh, already covered quite a bit on this podcast. This is the the whole experience back uh you know, between 2011 and 2015 of, of me working for my, uh, my old church where I grew up and, uh, the experience of, uh, of losing that job, losing that community. You've heard me talk about it quite a bit. Uh, if you've already listened to this song or listened to this, uh, the earlier episodes of this podcast, what I think does make this song kind of special is just that it, it is the last song I wrote on that topic. And that was kind of on purpose. I was like, I feel like I have one more thing to say about all this, and then I'm done. <laughs> then I'm going to move on and write songs about other things. Um, so you know, yeah, I, I had I had written. Uh, you know, there's um, there is distance, which is kind of about the immediate uh, personnel involved. There is Non Grata, which is more about the larger uh, community that we lost. Um, there is, on a, to a certain extent, um, Talking Head is dealing with sort of like larger cultural issues that are reflected um, or, or, the, or that are a component part of that experience. Um, you know, what was going on in, in the, the particular church I was involved in. Um, there's, you know, back to life, which is, uh, a little bit of dealing with, you know, the emotional fallout just within myself. Um, this, this song, I lost the world is just kind of, um, recounting this, the, the experience again, but this time as a prayer, uh, this is sort of directing the, my, my thoughts and my feelings about that whole experience to God, um, with, you know, a mix of an expression of trust, uh, that he must know what he's doing while at the same time continuing to express, yeah, but I, you know, I still don't fully understand what this is. Th there is, uh, you know, there is residual pain. I, I kind of go back and forth between a sense of, um, 
you know, you know, this is how I'm feeling. And then, uh, but, but I trust you. And then there's back to the, yeah, but this is how it feels. But yeah, I trust you. So that's, you know, that's kind of what the song is. Musically, it um, it evolved a little bit, but not in ways that I myself find particularly interesting. I listened to a couple of demos and it's like, yeah, the riff changed a little bit. I also changed the key. Uh, the earliest demos of this song, um, it was played a little faster and it was a little higher in my range and did not sound good. <laughs> higher in my range. So yeah, uh, you know, to me, they're... I, I like share. I have liked sharing demos on this podcast of earlier versions of songs that, to me, have been fun. Sort of hearing it develop conceptually. This song really didn't have a, a conceptual evolution. It was just an issue of tightening the screws. There was just some stuff that just didn't sound good, um, and that I think in the final version, I, I really like the way it sounds. It is. It is among the not so punk songs on the record. Um, I think I'd probably put it with uh, Through the Window as, you know, this is um, Through the Window being kind of country punk. Uh, this song is kind of just a rock song. It's not really a punk song almost at all. Um, and I find that very satisfying. <laughs> There's something I really enjoy about putting a bunch of songs that kind of might not seem like they belong, they belong together on the same record. Um, and the reason they are is they all came out of me. And uh, we are generally a punk band. This is a punk record, but it has a few not-so-punk moments. And I find that a, a satisfyingly punk thing to do. Uh, it, it is, to my mind, radically unpunk to follow a bunch of rules about what kinds of songs you can make and put on a punk record. So um, that's why this one makes the cut. Um, that's that's really as much as I have to say about it. So I'm uh, going to play you a little taste of I Lost the World, and then you'll hear my uh, somewhat lengthy conversation uh, with my friend Jason Reagan. We talk about all kinds of different things, uh, but it, it it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you stick around all the way to the end of it, you will hear a song he and I made together back in high school that's not very good. Uh, lyrically, it's atrocious. Uh, musically, it's <laughs> uh, well, it is what it is. But stick around uh, to hear that at the end of it. But uh, right now, here is "I Lost the World." Welcome to the T Bad Eugene podcast, Jason Reagan. <laughs> Random place to start this uh, discussion, but you were just telling me you had a chance to go to Skywalker Ranch. I'm a massive Star Wars nerd. Yeah, go tell me what that. Why were you there? Okay, so first of all, let me just start with this. Like, I I like Star Wars. I like that stuff a lot. But I like the first three. But that's only because <laughs> I grew up there. Like in that time frame. You're actually kind of young. Well, I, I was born in 80. The only two years. Yeah, that's true. 
But for me, growing up, I remember when they came out with like the THX box set, right? It was like remastered. It didn't have it didn't have like all of the new stuff that came out in like the was that like the late nineties where yeah, like redid like we added like the the George Lucas special edition, which is weird because it was crap. only like two or three little segments. Like, what is it? Like, I don't no, know. No, but even like, yeah, those things are strange. a travesty, and you can't not get that now. It was very strange. Yeah. So I had like the the box set that had like the cool like, box set in like VHS. In VHS, okay, yeah, yeah, that is still cool. Yeah. It so is. I really, I really like that stuff, and I remember watching like the uh, the 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 prequels or whatever mm-hmm. and yeah, whatever. Um, but I really like those three. Yeah. Of course. And I do enjoy watching like all the other stuff. I don't do the, the shows. Or the yeah. I haven't got or... into that stuff. I didn't watch like the, the cartoon thing. And anyway, <laughs> my cousin, so we have, so there's six of us grandchildren in my family and we're all separated by two years. Okay. So my, so my cousin, Jenny, who's just two years South of me, she is like uh, the head of um, one of those troops that go to like events. Oh yes, they like they she's dress like, like stormtroopers. It's like the five hundred one. Yes. Oh my gosh. Have yeah. you talked to my wife and brother in law about uh, this? No, we haven't had. This oh my gosh. Okay, they're gonna so, want to know about this. So there was a day where my other cousin. I go first. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry, sorry, Jenny, if I got it wrong. Um, <laughs> So there was a day where they she sent her brother, who's two years younger than her. Okay. So we uh, up to Skywalker Ranch. So we got to like go on like a thing and see all the things that are available there, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a ton of stuff that it's we, like up in Marin. Yeah, it was. It was a drive. It was a drive for sure, and it was like out in the middle of nowhere. Like right. you, it's like almost driving through like. Like if you're driving through Larkin Valley, right? What's like the nearest? T- I've always wanted to know. Like, there's a little town. We went and had lunch. It was um, totally normal. San Anselmo is that like the nearest town? I, I, you don't I, know. Yeah, okay. I don't know. We, However, my wife and I love that area. We go up and travel around there all the time, and I don't actually know where it's Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. And I want to know. I was there on the property. It was <laughs> yeah, wild. Crazy. There was like a Yoda statue. It was weird. It was it, it, totally fun, and it was very special. Like this isn't normal, right? So anyway, I got a bunch of stickers, and uh, I think oh. I have a jacket that has oh, it. Oh man! And it probably will never fit me, and oh, it might fit you. So. <laughs> well, boy, pretty fun. Um, in the town of San Anselmo, there is a fountain in the middle of that town with Yoda on one side and Indiana Jones on the other. Oh, that'd be cool! Like in a little park. I'm a huge uh, Indiana Jones guy. Oh, are you Look. excited about the new one? Have you seen I, the trailer for the I new one? I saw pieces of the trailer. Okay. Um. It, very exciting. Yeah. I don't remember much of the Crystal Skull situation. Yeah, that one I didn't think was very good. I do love... Um, I, I, I love the, the three. Um, the Temple of Doom. Um, Raiders. Which is, which is funny because if you go back and look, it wasn't named Indiana Jones. No, the first one was, was Raiders, Raiders of the Lost, of the Lost Ark. Ark. That's right. Wild. Right. It's been it's it so that's just like the first Star Wars. They renamed it to be Indiana Jones and the and, Ra- yeah. Right. Just like when we were kids, it was Star Wars and then Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now it's called A New Hope. The yeah. first one is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did the same thing with Ra- 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, it's kind of funny. That would be fun to go like check that out though. Yeah. Uh yeah, so I yeah, I'm I'm a pretty big ongoing. Yeah, I think the prequel trilogy is not as good. The sequel trilogy is I think starts very well, but gets we're talking Star Wars here. The yeah. the I, the other two I think are garbage, but Andor which was a Star Wars TV show this year, is like my favorite TV show that happened this year. It, which like, is so funny because for me as a kid, like my grandmother taped the battle for Endor. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called Andor, and it's nothing like Endor. I remember the Ewok <laughs> battle <laughs> yeah, for Endor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember that Loved very that. well. Yes. I didn't love I wanted to love it because I loved Ewoks. I was exactly the right age to love the Ewoks. I like, don't I don't, actually I don't think I pieced it together like then. Like, oh, oh this is part of that. Oh, until funny. like later. Cause it was like it, she would just tape things on the thing, like, oh, they'll like this. Right. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Okay, so that was a random place to start this. <laughs> um having you on this podcast is super fun because so like you've you started playing with us like right as we were finishing or had finished the record but you've been playing live with us for over a year now wild yeah and you've recorded with us on the new uh christmas song which mm-hmm. is out now uh not yeah. not while you and i are talking yeah. but on this uh podcast yeah if you're listening to this podcast hopefully you've heard that song that was super fun um so this is this is um we have a history Yes. Okay. So like on on this podcast, I've been kind of talking to every, like uh, Rachel and Mercy and Calvin and Sam on like their history of music and stuff. Okay. But of course I've just heard you go over all that on the, the mag pod, the magnified pod. Yeah. You went through a lot of it at least. Okay. And I do want to direct our listeners there. Okay. Um, yeah, totally. Mag pod. This uh, guy's great. Because, yeah, that was fun to listen to you. I mean, it, I felt like they asked you a lot of the same questions I've been asking, like, Sam. Mm-hmm. Like, how'd you get started in music? There was and... some stuff left out there, though. Okay, so that's what I, like, I was thinking, like, should we talk beforehand and figure <laughs> out what we're going to talk about? I'm like, no, let's just sort of, let's have no plan. Yeah, I like it. But maybe not, yeah, retread necessarily all of that. Let's fill in the gaps. And maybe have other sorts of conversations I do. that can sort of extend some of that. So I have been, like, thinking of... Uh, what we were going to kind of talk about. And I was mm. trying to think of like some specific things. And there are some like little nuggets that I remember. That okay. Pertain to you and I. Right. And, I, yeah. You and talked about guitar Eugene. class and stuff a little bit on yeah, that okay. podcast. So yes. before guitar class, the first thing Which that means just anybody who hasn't heard the Magpod thing, Jason and I both went to the same high school, Monta Vista Christian High School in Watsonville, California. We're both shaped by the same amazing man, Bill Samuelson. Oh, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> who, ra- uh, who ran the guitar class um, at that school that I, I took all four years of high school. I, did you do the same? I think I was, to be honest, now that I look back, I think it was only three. Oh, okay. Because I don't, I don't think I was in it when I first, as a freshman. Okay. I think it was my sophomore year because that would be your senior year. Yeah. But... I hope he hears this. Oh, yeah. I'll, I will for sure send him a message and tell him to listen to it. I think for me, I think when you, you look back at like your musical, I don't know if we can call it a career, but for me, if it wasn't for him, none of this would 
I would not have done any of this stuff. Yeah, I'm vigorously nodding my head. I just realized you can't see that on a podcast, <laughs> but yes, I fully. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no, I, I very much agree. That was such a cool, and you look back, and I don't think we knew it at the time how rare of a thing that was right. to have such a cool opportunity like that during your school day. Like, why is that available? Like, <laughs> or why is it not available at every agreed. high school in the agreed. world? Okay, so because let me, not everybody has a Bill Samuelson. So let me start with just music in general. Yeah. Okay. So growing up as a kid, my, my grandmother and her sisters were, um, very musical, a, a lot of organ, a, a lot of family gatherings where it would break out, they get the organ and then everybody's going to sing or a lot of, um, a lot of Engelbert Humperdinck, a okay. lot, a lot of, um, Wayne Newton, Wow, a lot of Oak Ridge, Oak Ridge boys. Okay. That one is a part of my upbringing. So not like, so much the other ones. <laughs> a lot of that is kind of where I came from. My uncle, who I talked about in Magpod, that passed away. He was uh, he was he would act at the at Cabrillo, hmm. so we'd go see him in plays. Wow, that's cool. So for me, it was like this performance thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it at the time, but you kind of just kind of get used to. Hey, we're gonna. Um, Everybody does this, right? And mm. kind of get comfortable in front of people. Sure. Right? Yeah. Didn't realize it at the time. So when I was in middle school, I decided to join the band. And I thought, oh, I'll just play a drum. Right? Drums are good. <laughs> I did that. I played the bass drum in the junior high yeah. orchestra. Now, Jason Reagan is always late. <laughs> <laughs> so I was late to the class. I was in sixth grade and I was like, I have this uh, band thing. And uh, by the time I got in there, like we, ha- we have enough drummers uh, and I'm like, Oh, what do I do now? And I thought, Oh, I'll do a trumpet. Oh, we have enough trumpets. So my choices were flute, clarinet, or something called a tenor sax. And you will appreciate this. The teacher, I can't remember what her name was. But was this at Monta Vista? You no, no, it's a junior high. Different junior high. Yeah, public school, Watsonville. Okay. Um, she said, you can do this tenor sax thing, and that's, you could play, we could teach you how to play like the Simpsons. Oh. And I was like, whoa. I, I was thinking this was going to be uh, Careless Whisper. Or, you no. Know, some could, other great sax song. I could learn that little lead <laughs> thing that Lisa does in the. Sure. Right? And I'm like, oh, I'm in. Yeah. Right? I didn't know this thing was like a boat anchor that it, I walked to school. And it was like a mile. Right? Oh, yeah. This is like an old man and the story. Sax is not an easy instrument to start on. I feel like the the learning curve at the beginning is steep. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're learning, like you're, it's kind of just a few simple notes, right? I mean, I, I took sax lessons. I remember how hard it was just to make the thing make the sound. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, you got <laughs> really got to get used to that reed, yeah. right? And when it splits, it's yeah. like a total pain. Yes. Um, so anyway, that's kind of where I started. And then when we got to high school, there was like this guitar class thing. I went to Jensen's to get my first guitar ever, which was a PV Predator. It was black. It looked like a Strat, but it was the only black guitar they had. And I thought it looked like Hetfield's guitar because his was black. Sure. And I'm in, I'm doing it right. (laughs) And I knew the Jensen's because Jody went to our Episcopal church when I was a kid. Really? Jody Jansen. Jansen? I, Jansen. It's Jansen. Jansen. Yeah. Jansen. Because yeah. he moved, when Kaiser kicked him out. I know. Of that, he moved into Aptos, and yeah. it's right next to my gym, and I go there all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I lo- yeah. He's great. Yeah. No, he's awesome. So yeah. anyway, what I remember the first time that I even saw you, mm. 
and I was, again, I was going over this beforehand. It was like the first day of school. I was a freshman. Okay. I would have been a junior. And you, yellow snow. Were we still yellow snow? You were still yellow snow. We the defects? No, yet? I remember okay. this vividly. Okay. I, now, there's one part that I think I've, I'm getting wrong because to, in my mind, it was like the first day of school and you guys like played by the Caboose Amphitheater. Yeah, I I do remember doing that. But it, I don't think it was the morning. I think it was like maybe lunchtime, maybe. Was it really the first day of school? I pretty think sure. I was like Spirit Week or something. No, I'm pretty sure it was like, because I walked into that place because I didn't know anybody. I came okay. from a public school, had no friends. I knew zero people. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then um, there you guys are doing the thing. I remember you had, it must have been the, the like case that you put the tapes in. It was like a... It was like a box okay. and it had like a big YS on top. Okay. <laughs> and then you guys were up there like doing it. I was like, dude, this is crazy. <laughs> Cause at that point I had never seen anything like live performance music mm. other than one concert that I got dragged to. It was my sister's 13th birthday and it was new kids on the block. Oh my goodness. In Oakland. And I was like, this is so lame. I'll be honest to say that when I was, where new kids on the block were a big deal when I was in like fifth grade, sixth grade, I thought they were great. Uh, you know, too will, young to know. I will say this. I had a fantastic time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they had, they had some hooks. And I really became to a point where I really liked it. Like, oh, okay, I like this. All However, right. at that point, I had like shifted from like my sister's music. Sure, sure. By, by you mean by freshman year? Yeah, like okay. to like, oh, I'm kind of like liking my own stuff. Sure. Like things that I want, you know. Anyway, so I remember you doing that and being like, wow, this is insane. And then when I got I'm sure in. sure that it was. <laughs> when I got into guitar class and then there you were, then it was like, okay, this is kind of like a, this is like a, a totally different thing. I didn't know where that stuff would take me as far as playing music would go but right and and yet here we are so yeah. it started there and then it just kind of went on its way you and i had recorded a song when i was in there oh yeah she's gonna be mine she's gonna be mine so that was a we had to do that as a third quarter project mm. we had to write and record a song yes. i got paired up with you it was yeah. you me john Powell? no john Powell, uh ricky gentry well eric, eric gentry, gentry of the adorkables yep uh uh who was the fourth? David uh, Lonis? Yeah. David what, Lonis. What did he do? He, uh, I think he played the melodica. Remember? They no, had... you did. Oh. You did that. I can't remember what uh, David. Because Lonis had his, I remember, I, he no, did Lonis kind of a hardcore song that I, I sang song. with. Yeah. He did, wasn't that the hot tub thing? No, that's John Powell. What, wasn't he with John? No. Oh no, he did have one, and he sang it like an operatic. Yeah, kind and of I thing. screamed yeah, Cookie yeah, Monster yeah, 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 type yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, over yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, I can't was... remember who our fourth person was. Uh, Maybe it was just the three of us. I don't know. It might. have... Yeah, because uh, Ricky, Eric. I know. I can't. He's forever Ricky. He's gonna head. laugh at this. Oh, sorry, Ricky. <laughs> Eric. Uh, uh, sorry, Eric. He played bass. Um, you played guitar. Mm -hmm. And I assume I played guitar as well. Yeah, I remember doing those harmonized riffs on like the pre-chorus. Mm -hmm. yep. um, mm -hmm. It was a drum machine. Yeah, I remember you doing the drums on... Mr. Sam did the Mr. trumpet. Sam. I can never call him Bill, by the way. 
It took me a while. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but you're a teacher, so you get it. I had to call a bunch of people from our high school. I had to call them by their first name. It took me a while. Like, you know, Kent and Marsha Tarr, rather than... Oh, my like, goodness gracious. Miss Dunlap and Mr. Tarr. They were Kent and Marsha oh Tarr. God. We had so much fun. You know what? Let me. I'll, I will say this. Okay. We had such a cool high school thing. Yeah. Well, and then I got, I mean, yeah, so I, maybe what not everybody listening would know is I went back and taught at the school we both <laughs> went to for seven years. And I started when I was like 23. So like I had only been out of high school for so weird. five years at that point. So weird. Um, and so, yeah, there was a bunch of teachers. Was it Travis? Still there. Travis? Uh, no, Laramie. Laramie. Laramie, and I think he is He's still, still there. there. <laughs> <laughs> he is Mr. Holtzclaw. And still wasn't, laying um, it down. Uh, Paul? Scalisi, right? Is he? He's not still there, but yeah, he, he was there he when you were there. Yeah, he was teaching when I was there. Um, I, I think the biggest thing was Coach Lyons wasn't there. This is so not going to be interesting to anybody. Uh, this this part of it. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. There are home. a handful of folks that will, that will yeah, really enjoy a, this. very small handful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, we did this song, and uh, I should find it online. Oh, I think Bill has sent me a copy of this online. Yes. He sent, like, everybody he could find. This was, like, a few years ago. I'm going to look. I'm going to try to dig this up. I need a copy because of Because I will, I will put it in the podcast. We'll end the episode with it. So that, uh, that was my very first recording ever. Oh, yes. Ever. I mean, it, well, I, I would say it's probably one of mine. No, I was, like, a four-track ad, four addict. But you had already had the Yellow Snow thing stuff. before then. Oh, that's true. I, I, I actually recorded in the recording studio a couple times. Um, I forgot about that. But... Uh, yeah, so that song, I just want, like, if, if I, I'm really, really hoping I can get a, my hands on it and we'll have it on this episode. But, like, for the people who know at home, this was the era of, like, no effects was a very big deal in the ska punk thing. Um, there were ska punk bands mm -hmm. that were, like, a little more ska that had horns and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was, I was much more interested in what no effects was doing with it. Not even really knowing about Operation Ivy, not really realizing they were kind of like carrying that train forward. And they were doing it like, so well. Like they did do it really well. Yeah. And it's funny is they stopped doing it. I know. Like they haven't had a ska song in so long. And that's frustrating because they were pretty good at it. So I was it was like I was su super influenced by like the no effects ska thing. But then uh, any fan of the descendants that knows the song clean sheets is going to be like, mm. you're just ripping that off. And yes, I was, uh, musically on the chorus. <laughs> it is just a total, the chords at least are a total clean sheets rip off. Um, this uh, is great. It was fun. It was really fun. It was. And fun. so like you take that and you know, the, so we had to do that. That was like a project mm -hmm. It was, you got a grade for doing that project. Did but you do then, that more like the following years after I was gone? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, however, the, we what I don't really remember, okay, but I know that we had to do was part of it was like a twofold thing. You had to like record the song, right? But then we had to play it at that carnival thing. What we played that song live? Yes, I th I just remember doing like that was the first time I'd ever played in front of people with, on, with my guitar, like at the at spring this carnival. Spring carnival. So I mean, what's interesting about that is that that had happened my freshman year of high school. Bill Samuelson had put, you know, like gotten the permission to put a band together for, and I got to play in that. And that was a huge deal for me. Freshman year of high school. Um, I played Joe Satriani's summer song. Oh my goodness. At this event, my, uh, my freshman year, uh, we did like Boston, uh, uh, peace of mind. We did, uh, the Eagles, um, 
Already gone. Sorry, that took me a second. Oh yeah. Um, Great. And then and then like the school shut it down. Like we didn't get to do that again. Like the next two years. So when we did it, my senior year, I had been lobbying for it like every year. And and so and I think Bill had had tried to get it, and like the school had said no. So finally, my senior year, they let us do it again. I was so. Happy. If I remember correctly, we like had like a stage. It was like behind like the science the library kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Over there. Yes. Yeah. And I remember like, like <laughs> this is this is nuts. Like I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Oh man. Well, so what I remember about that is I I played drums and sang as I remember. You did a lot of things. Did I move around. I, you did a lot of things for a lot of people. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can never get me to like. <laughs> Off the stage. Like, we, can I play with you? Can I play with you? Can but I play there was you? like only so many people that could do like so many things. Right. And if it's a guitar class, like most of the people are like trying to learn how to play the guitar. Right. Not like, oh, you got to be on stage now and you need a drummer and bait. Like, so for me, like here's a new, my very first performance of like a band, quote yeah. unquote. And uh, yeah. All right. Let's just have so a. So you were freaking out? I, I, I All I remember is like, I remember being like super nervous. Like, I can't believe I have to get up here and do this. <laughs> and and like. At that point for me, before, I was in front of people all the time. It was like, it was not a big. I was like, you know, I, I enjoyed embarrassing myself in front of my friends. <laughs> and I rarely got the chance to do it. Like we, you know, I. Th- Yellow Snow, which by that point was the defects. Yes, by we then, were, yes. We were playing pretty frequently, but I could never get my friends to come. Right, uh, like, right, right. like Monta Vista, like... So just for the listeners at home, paint the picture. If you've seen an episode of Beverly Hills 90210, oh, that's kind of where we went to high school. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, like, that was the social scene. They were not punk rockers. That's accurate. Like, our friends were not <laughs> into the music we were in, so they were never coming to our shows. Right. So I loved it when I got a chance to get up in front of them uh, and, and do music. And the primary memory I have of that was I sang and played drums on the romantics. That's what I like about you, uh, which is exactly how they did it. Like mm-hmm. their, their drummer was their singer. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was super cool, but the school Christian school, very conservative. <laughs> they like everything, all the lyrics had to get passed through yes. Mr. Sam. And that song was questionable. So there was a bunch of edits. <laughs> like, like it could, you know, you couldn't make it sound like anybody was spending the night anywhere. Because uh, that song is seriously so mild, but it was still, it was too suggestive for Monta Vista. So I forget, honestly, I think I like, I gave a set of lyrics to Mr. Sam and he approved it, but then I just improvised the song. And I remember. <laughs> Stay and I, away from the hot button words. <laughs> <laughs> I went like super far the other way. I made the song like dumber. By so this is the lyric I still remember because I remember seeing David Lona's like double over laughing because I was like that's what I like about you you're really nice you're really cool like ice <laughs> I came up with that line on the spot and I thought it was brilliant I, and I I remain proud of that to this day <laughs> so good so good so we carried that on every year like I'm so glad that it that. kept going because that was hard one. But and rarely it, deserved at that point <laughs> after <laughs> very nice at that point, once you were out of there, mm. then it was me. So then I had to do all the things. Oh, cause I'm I glad was, there was someone to carry the things on. Well, it was kind it of doesn't that, happen by accident. Someone's got to actually do the legwork. It was kind of that thing where I was so passionate about, like, I love to do this. Mm-hmm. So then I became like the guy and I, and so I had to, you know, 
guide because then there was a whole new batch every year, and then. Do you know? Did that guy exist after you left? Was I have it? no idea. Because how no idea. was Mr. Sam there very long after you left? He was still there, I think. Yeah, I think he was still there. Hmm. Um, yeah, he was still there. I mean, he was still there because so at the end of the year they would hand you like there was like the awards for the school, mm-hmm. right? And then there was a guitar class. You oh, got yeah. like the thing. I still have it. Ooh, but I wonder if I have mine. I remember after you left because then I would have been a junior and you were gone. Yeah. He didn't give me that award. I didn't get it till my senior year. He didn't give me that award my junior year. And I'm like, I'm the only guy. And, <laughs> and he goes, and he, I remember him telling me, he was like, yeah, I can't give it to you because you're not a senior. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that how it works? Like, I remember being surprised at the end of freshman year. I was like, I feel like. Yeah. I, freshman See? year, I kind of thought I would See? get it. I'm the only guy. And then guy. when I didn't get it, sophomore and junior year, I'm like, I didn't even listen. Such I'm a like, dumb thing to think. However, like, <laughs> it was the only thing I wanted to do was that. And every time we were there, I was... Sold I, out for this thing. I still, even as a teacher, I hate those award ceremonies. Terrible. Because it's just, it's a way to make everybody in the room feel like so less than. Right. And to me, and through high school, I was not a great student. So I like, I, I knew I was not in the running for any other class. Well, I like guitar class, I thought I had a shot, at least freshman year. Yeah, I got this And then when I didn't up. get that, I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to get it in. <laughs> so after, I don't know, know if you did this before I was there, but after what I remember changing that I didn't remember before was we were leading worship for chapel. Hmm. So I had to do that as part of like the guitar class. That was class. a guitar class thing? Yeah, now you're in charge of like leading a worship team. That's interesting. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I was like, yeah, all right. Well, all right, do I get this thing? He was like, oh, you can't. You're not a senior. <laughs> all right. <laughs> when, I was, when I was teaching there, I did both things, at least for a while, but they were different. There was yeah. a guitar class and there was like, a, a worship band class. Um, oh. And, the, and they were different. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So there's another thing that's a part of our story. So we also did choir. Yes. Did you, you did choir when I was there? I didn't do choir when you were there. Okay. I only did choir when I was a senior. Oh. And the only reason why I did choir when I was a senior was I had, I had done so much throughout my time there that like, I didn't have any other classes to take. I had to take sociology with, with lions. And I think I still had to do English. And then I had like all these electives and I had taken a woodshop class and it was like a new guy. And I'm like, all right, like I'm just trying to get through my day at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he was like, uh, we're going to do reports on trees. And I'm like, no dude, <laughs> I just want to like build something. Yeah. He wanted to like, he went to that. He was new. My daughter has a tomorrow. No Friday. She has a PE final written PE final about how to put your socks on. I, I she's, and she said it's supposed to be pretty hard. I'm like, what a dumb. Wow. <laughs> I don't get that. So I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Sure. Report and, on and then, trees. Like, you get the first couple of weeks. You could like change. Okay. Right? And so I'm like, Oh, I'll just do the choir Fine. thing. So I went to do choir and the first choir I did like beginner choir or whatever, basic choir, whatever it's called. <laughs> sure. And then I was like, yeah, there's like 500 kids in this and it's not very good. Like nobody really sings. Right. Right. It's just a mess. So then there was like the intermediate choir. Intermediate. So there's like beginning choir, advanced choir, and then the ensemble master's voice. Yes. Okay. You're correct. So I did the intermediate one. I bumped up to that. Okay. And then I can't remember. I can't remember the choir director's name. I remember that he looked like that Muppet guy. (laughs) 
Mr. Mac, right? I don't know. Maybe that's who it was for McElroy. Was yeah, uh, I think you're right. Older man. He looked just like that Muppet, that blue falcon, and he had it. He had it. He embraced it. He he has since passed on. Um, God rest him. Yeah. He was a peach of a man, but he looked just like that thing. He had the he had the Muppet in his office. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I know. He's, what you're he's talking blue, about. Yeah, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, he was like, "You should be in this Master's Voice thing." Oh. And I was like, "All right, sure." And he goes, "But you got to like audition for it." Right. Actually, it was Mr. Sam. Who told him you should get him to be in this thing? Very and nice. I remember him coming, and I had to go in and and uh, sing for Miss Welty. Oh yeah, and sing like the national anthem. Sure. And then they got an idea. But anyway, what I didn't know is that after I did that, and I had graduated a couple of years, I have a cousin who was in. She lived in Sacramento. Andrea, love you, babe. If you're hearing this, she. I was at her house in Sacramento and she pulled out this record. It was on vinyl. It said Monta Vista Christian High School, Master's Voice. 98? Like when you were there? No. This was like in 88. Oh, okay. <laughs> when she was there because she was in it. Oh, wow. And I was like, what is they this? They pressed a vinyl record. Right? Wow. So she like pulls this thing out and she goes, yeah, check this out. I was I'm going through my records and I found this thing, right? And for me as a kid, this generation of, of Reagans were like the cool kids. Like, uh, I'm just trying to be as cool as they are, right? Sure, sure. And they went to Monta Vista. And so she pulls this thing out. She goes, oh, yeah, here, I'm on this record. And she showed it to me. I'm like, master's, master's voice. And I'm like, hey, I was in that. She goes, you were. Didn't know how long of a legacy that thing had. Neither did I. And I'm wow. like, she goes, uh, she goes, I made this. I created Master's Voice. Oh, no way. Really? Wow. Isn't that weird? I wonder if it's still alive. I have no idea. I have friends who work at Monta Vista. I will find out. We should ask. Yes, I will definitely ask. But I remember how much fun that was to have. Like, It was like a small group for people that are yes. listening. This wasn't like, you know, the beginner choir was like. I want to say it was like 12? Yeah, it's 12. Something like that? It's 12 I was in it with, uh, with Rolla. Daniel uh, D.L. Yeah. Sorry, again, I'm yeah, talking about yeah, people nobody in the yeah, podcast knows really going to care about this. <laughs> okay, here's one thing of general interest. Okay. Uh, when I was in Master's Voice, a uh, Sarah Williams oh, uh-huh. was in it, sister of quite famous Joy Williams of mm-hmm. the Civil Wars fame. Yeah. And Joy Williams' uh, solo yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. career <laughs> fame. So, anyway, Crazy. there's general interest. Uh, and it's so weird. Sarah Williams, like she was just a friend, like all the way through high school. Totally, and, totally normal person. Uh, and like all of a sudden, like her younger sister becomes like Grammy-winning famous. Yeah, yeah, just weird. Pretty crazy. So we had some fun there. Oh yeah, that was. Oh, I had such a great high school experience. When you look back on things, it's so crazy to think of like all the different yeah but aspects I mean, of things. To your earlier point, yeah, I mean, especially just the 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 way music came to have a place in our lives. And how much uh, Bill Samuelson was such a major catalyst for that. Like opportunities to perform, to move beyond thinking about uh, being like a guitar player to chances to play in a band and like how mm-hmm. different that is. Uh, the, the idea of recording, that kind of, you know, that's all. Th- those were just incredibly uh, uh, helpful experiences on the way to actually let it, you know, having that be a part of our lives and him being so supportive. Oh yeah. Like he let us play a lot of stuff. Like, yes, for a very conservative, 
uh, uh, Christian school. He, I, I brought a minor threat uh, VHS mm-hmm. and played it for the class, mm-hmm. and he just sort of like went. Mm. He'd get Hopefully that. Hopefully, I won't get in trouble for this. He'd get the Mr. Sam smile. Yeah, like, <laughs> I should be agreeing with you. I played the misfits in that class. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Friday. So, it, like Monday through Thursday was always like classical guitars. Yep. Um, but like Friday would be metal shop. Mm-hmm. The day we could bring amplifiers and electric you, guitars and you could in there. Hear it. You could hear it from across campus. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this noise? And we would be playing Metallica. Yeah. And I remember one time I was doing like a Van Halen riff and he was like, what's that? I'm like, ah, oh, you wouldn't know it. And he was like, I wouldn't know Van Halen. This was like my freshman year. And, and like, that was just a first indication of how cool he really was. Because I mean, at the time, I didn't think a teacher would know Van Halen. How stupid is that? Okay, so <laughs> let's think about this. How many how many students were in that, like, 10, 15? It kind of came and went. It was really big my freshman year. I feel like sophomore year, junior year, it kind of got smaller. But it, I, And then it got big again, like, senior year, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Um, All I remember him is, like, on that day, like, that Friday, like, he'd, he'd pull out that red guitar. Oh, and that tiny little amp. The like Rockman. Rockman. Oh, yeah. The Gallon Kruger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was two, like, five-inch speakers. He had that one preacher guitar that was insane. Okay. It was all wood, finished, fantastic. But he had that red metallic, mm-hmm. and he had that Rockman that he put on his belt. And it sounded, like, everything that came out of that sounded like Boston. Yes, and yes. He, and, like, that was it kind was... of, like, uh, the rite of passage was learning more than a feeling. Oh, for sure. Right? Yes. Too good. Oh, and peace of mind. Both yeah. those songs were oh, yeah. like the, uh, yeah, those were critical. In and my he would just shred. He would just. These are incredible. I mean, and what's are, do you like? Do you follow him on Facebook? No, I'm not. I mean, I, yeah, you I, know, on Facebook. No, I have one, but I can't stand that thing. But I guess I mean this. This is one of the reasons I'm still on something like that is to see <laughs> like just how. You know, he, every once in a while, I'll see him post a thing about because they live over like near Yosemite. Yeah, like Oakhurst or something. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in, that in the Sierra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll see him. You know, hey, we're playing this Friday night or Saturday night or something. And then afterward, you'll see pictures or videos of him playing with people, and uh, that makes me happy. I remember years ago he had sent me something, and he was like, "Are you guys? Are you and Adam playing together?" And like, yeah, we've done some stuff. And he was like. That it would make my world, yeah, to see the both of you still doing something together. I'm like, For oh sure. my gosh, like, whoa! I remember, <laughs> like, I went out to his house when they lived on campus at Monta Vista, right next to it's not the same house I later lived in, was it by but the it's cafeteria? right next to it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived like a wall over from the house he, uh, or the, it's not, a, it's a it's a fourplex, so in the unit that shared a wall with his. Anyway, I remember going over there. Like when we came back from tour with MXPX and like we had made mm. at any rate um, and he had just kind of invited me over and I went over and I, I don't think at any rate was out, but I had it and I played some for him and just, I just remember how stoked he was. He's like, and what, a, what not a, many of his like students from guitar class had gone to do that kind of thing. And what and a validation, how, right? Yeah. Seeing what it meant to him was like, yeah, well, dude. I mean, so honestly, I have a little bit of that myself. Like I taught guitar class at right. Monte for a few years. Right. And there have been a few people. You, ta- you taught Kyle, right? Kyle, he was one that I was going to bring Kyle up. Skelton. Like he's gone on and, and made a bunch of music that it like totally makes me happy. I guess 
one thing with like him and Michael Glines was a um, another kid. I don't know if you know him, but he's a friend of Kyle's, and uh, he's he's been making music all this time. With both those guys, I consider myself lucky to have been part of it. But there's like I don't at all feel like they wouldn't have gotten where they went without me. You know what I mean? I'm like, they were definitely going to be doing this, whether I was a part of that story or not. Yeah, but you uh, still had like a hand. Yeah, right? I got to, yeah, I got to sort of be there with like, and get sort of a front row seat to certain part of their development it's as so musicians. Funny. But those, both those guys, they you know were appreciative that the guitar class existed, and I did a recording thing mm-hmm. um, with them too. Kept that alive, totally. Well, I mean, actually revived it when I when I first got hired. Guitar class hadn't existed oh, since man. Mr. Sam left. Wild. Um, so I was like bringing it back into existence. Wild. And I only did I taught at Monte Vista for seven years, and I only did that class for like four because I realized over time that like it was only fun if there were guys like us right. and like Kyle and that Michael. Were into it. Yeah. yeah. When you didn't have a crop of students like that, it sucked. It was like these kids that were just like, "Can you teach me smoke on the water?" And I'm like, I could, but why? <laughs> I'm like, if this isn't, if if the guitar in your hands is not, in some sense, a way you want to like learn a language, I could still play to, that Fandango thing too. By the way, what Fandango? Thing? That was like the thing you had to learn, like classical guitar. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I did some classical, but I moved. Toward songwriting and recording. Tried to make it new. So maybe that was why I didn't enjoy it as much is because I really saw it more as a songwriter's workshop, which is the wrong way to approach it. I remember being in there and for me, it was like, I don't like want to learn this. I don't want to learn this classical, like put the body between your knees. It was so good for us though. And put that like. Yeah. The the foot foot, pedal to raise your left knee. Yeah. But there, there was a good balance of like, I'm teaching you like the foundation. Like you're not going to come in here and play master of puppets day one, every day. Right. Right. right? right, right. Like we got to learn how to like, well, play the guy chords. who went on to learn to, to play bass, learning all that classical stuff was really good for me. Fantastic. Cause uh, you know, I, I, you know, I play uh, with a pick in too bad Eugene, but like I, you know, at church and other places I play with my fingers Yeah, and I, that's all, that all goes back to Mr. Sam teaching the classical guitar. So for me, in my life playing music, mm. it's all because of that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, like I, I've looked back on it. I've sort of wondered that I'm like, you know, yeah. Would have things gone without that class? I mean, like it, it certainly has, has shaped me in a certain way. Uh, no doubt. Like all those opportunities were incredible though. I, I looking at Kyle and Michael and realizing they didn't need me to go where they were going to go though. Maybe I, shaped the journey to some extent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's led me wondering because again, I grew up with a performer in my house. My dad is like, is the consummate performer. And I grew up going to see him live. So from the time I was like seven, I'm like, I can't wait till I'm on the stage. I assume everyone right. is like, this so is normal. where you're going. It was when, so normal. Yes. And when I saw other people not aspire to that, I'm like, wh- wh- why would anybody not want to do that? It was so normal really. <laughs> and I mean, even for like, I think, for some of those guys, all of us, like there was this group of people playing music that were part of some of those guys' world. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how great we were at doing it while we were doing it, but they also came through that avenue of like, oh, this is what everybody does when you go there. Yeah. Right. So they, I walked in, I knew nothing. 
Yeah. Th- those guys came in after seeing us kind of already doing things before they got there. So maybe that was part of it. Yeah. You well, know, I mean, that's something you like when you're a kid, all of the institutions around you, you take for granted. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, it never occurs to you that somebody built that like master's voice. Yeah. That your cousin acts like, like it just exists. Yeah, she's like, I created this. I'm yeah. like, there's no way. She goes, yes, I did. You don't Here's think the vinyl. I, I mean, this is just me sounding like an old man, but like that, that is something that, you know, when you become an adult and you recognize like, Oh, things exist because somebody took the trouble to make it. Right. And then like, once it becomes like a, a positive thing in your own experience, you then have a responsibility to like do what you can to prolong it, to enrich it. And it's something that, you know, like, yeah, teenagers, 20 somethings, they oftentimes, they, they just sort of take for granted most of the opportunities in their lives. And so when it comes to music, I mean, it's something that like, we have this incredible vibrant scene in Santa Cruz County generally, like, like, especially as a guy who, you know, cares a lot about punk rock, the nineties in Santa, uh, in Santa Cruz was an incredible time and place to be Man. for punk rock because there, there was, I don't know if you can call it an institution. There were institutions mm-hmm. like Eddie Numskull. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, that man is an institution. It's still kicking. Yeah. And like, like there were shows going on all the time because of people like that. They didn't, they don't happen by accident. Someone's got to actually do the work to get those. Somebody things. has to and, be forefront. And then you get these bands that create an energy that create a scene. And uh, like Bill Samuelson sort of created a scene at Monta Vista where like Wild. music was in the air and like that, like was an incredible school to be at in the nineties with a guitar in your hands, there were opportunities. And like, uh, that's just, that's something that I'm increasingly grateful over time as I look back on, because now, I mean, when we were getting, you know, two years ago when it was like, okay, I want to be in a band again. Mm -hmm. The question is, (laughs) is there a scene? Are there any opportunities to do this in front of people that will care? Yeah. And that is honestly two years on still a question I have. I don't really know. Uh, like we, we, we get some shows, some people show up. It's a lot of work. It, it didn't, it, it did not feel like that level of work back then. Back then it was, the work was to crack into the scene. The scene was there. That was tough to do too. Cracking into it. Yes. That was daunting. Um, that's kind of its own topic. Like, right. especially when you get into it, like Craig's brother, Mm-hmm. Uh, when I actually was like really in a band that was ready to do some things, mm-hmm. we cracked into this tooth and nail scene. Yeah. But the Santa Cruz punk scene. Tough. We had a hard go. Like we never quite got anywhere with I don't the think, Good Riddance Fury 66 yeah. crowd. Like I, it, I don't think even to even to uh, to today's standards, I don't I still don't think that it's that like the brother in Santa Cruz. Yeah. I mean, I've had how many conversations with Luke, and he's like, how come we never played with you? And I'm like, I don't know. How come we never let us play with you? (laughs) Sorry, Luke, that's not you. (laughs) It was just kind of that thing. Like, yeah, how come we didn't? It was just tough. It was tough. There was a lot there. Well, it's also, I I guess what I've realized is that what Santa Cruz had in the 90s was a vibrant hardcore scene. Mm. You know what I mean? Good Riddance, Fury 66, those are hardcore bands. Yep. Craig's brother didn't quite fit with that. When we did play locally, like it it was more of a thinking man's punk rock. Uh, Still is. Santa Cruz was certainly more of the hardcore thing, but you still had in that time frame, you still had like no use and lag wagon 
I mean, all these guys are blowing through town. I guess what's interesting is the more melodic those bands got, the less the Santa Cruz scene appreciated them. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I you know, see that. As like the, the as as no use for name sort of transitioned for from a hardcore band to like a melodic hardcore band or to like Tony Sly just being a songwriter, yeah, a guy who like was really writing songs. Yeah, it felt like the Santa Cruz scene was less and less interested. I definitely. I definitely remember Santa Cruz really embracing the ska scene, which is odd. And when you're talking about that is well, because of slow gherkin. Yeah. Um, like, Fantastic. yeah. So that you know, we had like a Santa Cruz high school ska band, but it was not slow gherkin. They were so not a ska core band. And then there was it, no, there were no good riddance fans. No. At a slow gherkin. No. Um, you had to be show. kind of in the middle. Of, it was of, its own thing. You had to appreciate. You dressed differently. Yeah, absolutely. Wholly different set of people i remember watching um we me and my buddy matt went and saw less than jake they played at the catalyst okay and then we got there like super early and we're like 16 years old like i don't know why we're allowed to do this but we were good kids so our parents <laughs> let us do it and so we were out sure. there and we walked through streetlight records who I actually saw the first time ever i saw good riddance play the first time ever in streetlight records wow which is go? Fantastic. Crazy. Yeah, just standing How's amongst there any room? the thing. Yeah. Just standing amongst the rows of vinyl and CDs. So anyway, I'm, we're in we're in um Streetlight and there's this guy and he's this totally like just this white dude and he's got this black afro, but it's like kind of like wet. Okay. Right? And right. and so of course we're like, look at this guy. And you're like, you know, you're young and you're in Santa Cruz. So you're used to seeing like people that are dressing differently. It's different from our world at Monta Vista. For sure. Right. And like, oh, look at this guy. So we had a few chuckles, right? And then we go in to watch Less Than Jake, and it's Chris, the lead singer of Less Than Jake. He comes out on stage with the same thing. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's super Life fun. in Santa Cruz. Love yeah. It. Shows in Santa it, it never lets you down. No, it, it, it doesn't. It, it was a super fun thing to be a part of. I mean, it's also why, like, you know, the band you saw your first day at Monta Vista, we were, we were a hardcore band. We wanted to make it in Santa Cruz scene. We were not a very good hardcore band, and we certainly were not a mid-90s Hardcore band. We were we were exclusively listening to like early eighties. Your standards are so high because for people that were there, like for me, I didn't know any of this stuff before. And watching sure. you, I was like, "This is the best thing." I'm just saying of this thing. We couldn't get into the Santa Cruz scene. Like we got a couple shows. We played like um, we played the Red Room and like mm-hmm. we played a couple. You know, and those were like huge nights the for staples us. Staples, but nobody cared about us yeah. when we played for like the Santa Cruz scene. They just sort of like, I don't know. They, it's kind of like you playing Too Bad Eugene played at the Catalyst. Yes. On the main stage. Yeah. In the main room. Yeah. Right. So this is like the it's time. A couple of times. To like do this. Right. I mean, that was big. It was big for me and Next in Line. We played yes. there. And it was like, whoa, I'm finally but here when, somehow. When we did that, when we opened for MXPX at the Catalyst, that mm-hmm. was a good one. Like the the house was packed. Mm-hmm. I felt like we got a good response. Fantastic. It, was, it was our hometown show. But then we played there again. Like, um, it would have only been like a year or so later, opening for um, the Expendables. Mm, that yeah. was not our crowd. 
<laughs> they were not that into it. That's <laughs> when the big shift in Santa Cruz happened, right? Yes. Because that was went, when I felt like the the punk scene here is dying. It or went to the reggae. It yes. went to this dub. What are they? What was that? What was that? I can't remember. I remember. I, I've heard of dub. I still couldn't tell you what. I it think is. it's part. I think it's that. Right. Expendables like, are dub. I don't know. I just think of him as reggae. Know. You I, know, their bass player goes to my gym. He's, he's been going there for like six months. Really? And I, I didn't recognize him at first, but he was like, I think I played a show with you. And and like he remembered that. I was like, no way. That's incredible. So wow. yeah, that's been fun talking to him. No, I think that like, because um, you have like the Expendables and you got like bands like Pepper. Like that was a big thing for a while in Santa Cruz. Okay. Did, was Expendables, they have like the bear. They have like a bear logo. There was another band that was like a bear, whatever. I mean, the the, the reality is, like, Thrush barely ever got out of the or generator. Then he came Thrush. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we just we practiced. We had we, so much like, fun. Like we, but we we practiced for years. I know. We played like, <laughs> I I think for your time in the band, I don't think we played a single show. Mm-mm. And that was how long? That was like Rachel has a videotape somewhere. Yeah, I but, remember I mean, that her... was at least a year or so of just practicing, yeah. never mm-hmm. playing a show. And then, like in the later, you know, when when we became Thrush, we still only ever played. Like I think it would be on one hand. I you know count. what though? Here's you know, at times what... we played. So the point of all that is just to say, I was already losing touch with whatever scene might have existed in Santa sure. Cruz. Thrush certainly was not a part of anything. Sure, we were not playing in a scene. And so I became unaware of if there was one. And by the time Thrush ended and we moved to Scotland, and then we moved back. Right. Total, like, right. there could have been a huge musical thing going on in Santa Cruz, and I just knew nothing about it. Right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Too Bad Eugene. Okay. <laughs> because so oh yes so now i know the story you want to tell so now <laughs> <laughs> i actually tried out for too bad eugene and and i have almost no memory of this jason I, has told me this story i'm like really i have i don't remember this vivid <laughs> vivid memory okay so the people that are listening need to know if they're still on because we're <laughs> it's gonna be a great podcast <laughs> the people that are listening need to know that because of my connection with adam at school i became like his annoying little brother that <laughs> he could not shake and it's so weird that we're as close as we are now we've done so many things over the years mm-hmm. so there was a time i was in a band next in line we did some stuff, which he helped us with on numerous occasions. I sort of inserted myself a couple of times. As I remember. Which was fantastic. I actually <laughs> gone back through some of the catalog. I'm like, wow, he was on that too. <laughs> um, so anyway, there was a moment in time where he was going to decide to just be a singer. And there was an opportunity to play bass for Too Bad Eugene. And this was right at the beginning of Too Bad Eugene. Is that, is that what you're telling me? <sighs> no, I don't think it was right at the beginning. Was, is is, is it when we ended up with JT? Before JT. Okay. But I remember you and I having a long instant AOL instant message conversation. Oh my gosh. AOL. Inst- okay. Keep going. Where <laughs> that brings you back all kinds of memories. You didn't realize <laughs> that it was me that you were talking to. Oh, really? Because there was another guy. There was another band out of Salinas. They had kind of a, they kind of had a Blink-182. Noggin vibe. Toboggan. No, not those guys. Okay. <laughs> it was another band. Okay. Um, we can call Eric and he'll tell you exactly who it is. Okay. Um, so anyway, we had this conversation and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally down to try out now for the people listening. 
I didn't have a bass. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll be your bass player. I I, d- I had played bass in a few things. Okay. Um, but not like at this level, but I'm like, yeah, I could do this. No problem. So we had this long conversation online and you were like, yeah, okay. Wait. And like, it was like so funny. Cause at the end you were like, okay, wait, who is this again? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know I was talking to you. That's super funny. So you had given me a list of songs cause I had the demo. I think at any rate it was already out. Cause okay. I, there was some songs on that. Be also because there was the instrumental song, and instrumental, and instrumental, yeah. yes, Andy's instrumental. So I came here, and while we're recording this, is where this kind of all went down. My parents' house. This is where we do everything. So I came in, and I had borrowed a bass, and I had set it up, and we had probably that one right over there, that mm, blue squire. No, no, oh, no, you borrowed. I borrowed not one. from me, not yeah. from you. Okay. Um, I borrowed a bass from Joe Rupert and we came, I came in, it was, his was like maroon and had like a white pick guard anyway. So we went through all the songs and I remember, I remember both you and Andy being like, Sam wasn't there. It was just the three, the three of us. Sammy, my brother. Yes. Okay. I thought you were Sam Skelton. I didn't even know him. Sammy. (laughs) Sammy. Okay. So we went through like the, all the songs and, uh, everybody was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then. I, I think at some point I had revealed that I didn't like own any bass equipment. And then I remember you saying to me, um, all right, so if you get the gig, are you going to like buy bass things? I'm like, yeah, I'll buy all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this one crowning moment of, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then, um, we had a great day and like, oh yeah, you're going to want to come back and jam again. I'm like, yep. And then I didn't hear anything after that, which was fine. How so? And you're sure that didn't le- that wasn't like at the same time that like JT came on the scene because that it, it was definitely between at any rate and Moonlight. It was during that time, but it was before JT came into the picture. Okay. Well, I mean, I uh, oh, I, so I think I told this story on this week's yes, episode. You did. Right? Yes. About poor JT. I, I feel like we did him so so wrong. Uh, fantastic. Amazing, amazing. Um, Didn't he play like a fretless bass? I don't know. I think he played the fretless bass, which is... He was honestly probably too good for us. Uh, I mean, honestly, that whole original run of Too Bad Eugene, I'm not sure we ever really found what we were trying to do. I remember the the first conversations Andy and I had about it, when we were still in Craig's Brother, and like, what if we broke off and did this other band, were so different from what Too Bad Eugene actually ended up becoming. Um, but then we became really good friends. And then I remember you bringing moonlighting to my house. We had like a party or something and you brought moonlighting before it was to be released. I think you were still maybe mixing and mastering. Okay. And you and I listened to it on my computer Mm. at my house. Out in Watsonville, like no, no, here, here in Aptos. Oh, okay. The condo over there. Yeah. yeah, I remember the condo. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, we go huh. a long way. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know what? My favorite thing about this now is being in it, which was really weird to be back in it or to, to be in it. Sure. And us kind of reconnecting musically and socially. Yeah. And, and to be up there playing those things and thinking like, wow, like I don't know those days ago, <laughs> trying out so nervous, right? 
And then your nervousness about any of this entertains me because I'm like, <laughs> this is no big deal. But anyway, what a joy! What a joy it is to do it. And I mean, we just have so much fun. Like, yes, even just, practice is fun. Practice is super fun, and that is, I, I you know, I will be honest about this. That is not the majority of my history as a musician. <laughs> like practice in Craig's brother and playing live. Right. I, I hope nobody's it, it, Ted. Well, Steven wouldn't be offended. He wasn't, he wasn't in the band then. It was excruciating. <laughs> like practice in Craig's brother and playing live were like, they, it was a terrifying an excruciating experience. Well, and we because it mean, was always it was a process of just hanging on. Sure, it's like are, are we still like playing together? Because we'd kind of go out of rhythm and then kind of come back into rhythm, and it was always just this sort of like I was always nervous. I was so nervous before, not because I cared about playing in front of people. It was like, it, <laughs> is this gonna stick together? There's five <laughs> of us, and we would totally just lose it all the time. And then uh, generator and thrush. I feel like the pressure we put on ourselves to be this like amazing thing. When we started that thing, yeah, it was you and I that started that. Yeah, we were gonna do. It was gonna be a cover band. We first. were gonna do weddings for our friends, <laughs> and then all of our buddies, Andy and Russell, decided that they wouldn't let us do it without them. Yeah, and then it became this thing, and then we decided, oh wait. Well, as I remember, it was Russ came along. It's like the second time you and I got together. And mm -hmm. both you and Russ were like, do you think Andy would do it? I don't remember Andy being like, you can't do it without me. Okay, so I remember <laughs> no, I remember Russell telling me, well, you're not going to do that without me. Okay. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Sure. So then that then you you had these two googly-eyed kids like, okay, buddy, let's do we this. Did, I, we did one <laughs> practice, just the three of us. And yes. I remember you both were like, do you, th do you think Andy would do this? Yeah, I'm like... Uh -huh. I'll ask him because I realized I'm like, you know, I was interested in trying to stretch my wings a little bit. Sure. And do because I had done Craig's brother and then too bad Eugene. Boy, did we stretch them. Well, so I mean, yeah, that was a totally different because once Andy was on board, too bad Eugene, I think had been a limiter on Andy. He like, he had, he had been like when we did the four song demo, he was into it. Right. We did it at, at, at any rate. He wasn't writing very much. He wrote like, like he wrote two songs. One that made the record. The mm -hmm. other one was the instrumental. Mm -hmm. um, and and like he was helping me develop the songs. But by the time we were doing Moonlighting, I think the simplicity of my approach to songwriting was just sort of, it was leaving him sort of cold. He was sort of checked out. So yeah. with, with Generator, which then became Thrush, he was like, if we're going to do this, it needs to be ambitious <laughs> everything needs to be harder than it needs to be <laughs> yeah it's kind of that was sort of his mo and we really ratcheted up that i mean we had big dreams yes that i mean i think for me for me in that world mm -hmm. doing that band which was absolutely so much fun we, like that was the first time i ever really thought like okay like we're really we're really <laughs> we're gonna go places we're widening the field here and like we're not we're not shooting to <laughs> play happened. the Vets Hall in Santa Cruz with this band. Like we're trying to like, yeah, we're trying to reach the stars. Like this is a we more of a mainstream, right? We so, talked that way at the beginning. That's for sure. We 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 were. Uh, I mean, what we weren't counting on a was the music industry was in free fall. Yeah, um, and B. 
every new turn Andy and I took was basically a middle finger to whatever following we had had in the previous band. Sure, sure. It was like, yeah. there were two Bad Eugene fans, and we were like, oh, you like that? Well, you'll hate this. We definitely had, <laughs> there was definitely a chip. Because even yeah. Russell and I had a little bit of a chip. Yeah. Just kind of like what, what we had gone through and mm-hmm. what we kind of wanted to do. But we also had created like, I don't know, there was this idea of being able to like have this, I don't know, this traveling circus of... Mm. <laughs> Of, of people, which would have been super cool. But I mean, I don't know. It was fun. I, it, it was fun. It was super challenging for me. I, like, I will definitely say I grew a ton, especially as a lyricist um, in those days. Like, I look back on the lyrics of like Too Bad Eugene stuff from before. I'm like, these, these are okay. Uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't approaching the lyrical craft with a lot of vigor. And it was during Thrush that I like learned to really take lyrics seriously. Sure. Um, and, and so, yeah, I listen back on some of that stuff now. And I'm like, wow, like I, I don't know if I'm capable of as good of a lyric now as this is. Yeah. Um, you question yourself too much though. I probably, well, it's also, I, I guess what, like what I'm just loving about where we are now is just a, a, a more level head. The ambition isn't that crazy high. Uh, we don't think of ourselves, you know, it's, it, the stars aren't in our eyes the same way they were. Um, it's got to be satisfying on its own merits, not by like how many people are going to get into it. And yeah, I think I actually question myself far less uh, now. Now I'm like, I'm pretty happy with a, with a stupid song. Like, I'm not stupid, but like um, a song like uh, Anecdote which is not going to win any Pulitzer Prizes for lyrics. I yeah, don't know but if that exists. Fun. It's fun. And that's plenty for me now. And I, I think like, that's what we're aiming for, right? Like, we're going to do it the way we want to do it. Yeah. Because we're having fun. Yeah, I mean, for me, there is... So, like, this week's episode, like, the, the song that... Uh, I, I Lost the World. Yeah. Like, that song, to me, is a song I'm actually pretty uh, proud of lyrically. I, like, I feel yeah. like that's... There, there's a poetry in this song... That is similar to kind of the stuff I was doing in Thrush. But yeah, it, it makes me happy that I can make a record with a song that's that personal and that I put as much work into the lyrics on and have it be on the same record as uh, Anecdote, which I wrote in like 30 seconds. Uh, and it's just fun. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's something to be said for that. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. I guess that's the thing about where things are now. Is that like when I would have a, a song idea in Thrush that was more just like fun, Andy would be like, Andy would make a face and kind of scratch his chin. <laughs> and, and like the question would be like, I can't see this being on the same record as, and then name one of our other songs. And that, that was like a serious consideration. Mm-hmm. Like, are we presenting a coherent soundscape? And one of the first things I told myself when Too Bad Eugene was back on the table was like, I don't care about that. Have you listened Any to Any the... idea I find enjoyable is going on this record. And, and I don't care whether it sounds like it belongs <laughs> on the same record. Or Have you else. listened to your record? Because it's fantastic. <laughs> like the I... different ebbs and flows of things. Yeah, I think breadth is a good thing. I, I like mean... a band that's capable of doing some. And honestly, it's not that broad. Like the, the amount of stretching I ever considered. The, the kinds of things I would throw at Andy that he would question whether it could go on the same record. Mm. I look back on that now. I'm like, that was ridiculous. Okay. You have songs like, on there that sound like bad religion. 
Yeah. But in that vein. Sure. You have Ska on there. For like not even a full second. It but counts. Okay. It counts. And it's a joke when it you happens. You have I Lost the World, which is the grungiest Too Bad Eugene song. Grunge. It's, it's like a post-grunge 90s. It gives this is the perfect song, perfect podcast for me to be on. Yes, because of you my sort life of and the, grunge. Gr- that's interesting. It's got this post grunge groove. Like, who do you hear? Oh my gosh! Like I okay. So when we're talking about post grunge, I'm talking about bands like um, the Gin Blossoms. Maybe, okay. Maybe it's not as fast as a Jim Blossoms tune is. Like, of course, Jealousy. And, hey, Jealousy, yeah. And um, what's the Allison Road? Is it Allison Road? I think so. I, I think Hey, Jealousy might be the only Jim Blossoms song I know. Okay. <laughs> there might be one other one. <laughs> um, but then there's like this other vein of like a band like Toadwit Sprocket, right? Uh, what's the one headlight Bob Dylan's son band jacob dylan the wallflowers the wallflowers is it, would that go in what yeah, you're talking I think, about i think that's in the vein yeah i think that's part of the when i was writing the song like the, yeah okay those there are sort go. of honestly at the same time i was i was thinking like a more distorted like this is gonna sound ridiculous here we go <laughs> hey, <laughs> i was buckle up i was half thinking of like a more distorted like john mellencamp or brian Adams, i could see that Ooh, or that kind yeah. of thing brian Adams, like yeah. it, it's just it's it's a fairly straightforward rock and roll song mm-hmm. structurally mm-hmm. um it, it has some REM to me. Interesting. Because of like REM. That minor chord on the chord. Yeah. It's REM's hard to place. Like, yeah. There's this one band that like doesn't sound like you can't put them in a bucket. For sure. And when we were going through that 90s period. Yeah. I mean, it was the it was the time of creating genres. We're just gonna name things, and if we put core on the end of it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Ska core, emo core, it becomes something different. Sure, right? it's a, it has a dash of, of right. distorted guitars. Right, right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean that is certainly like I don't think that's ridiculous to have an album with a song on it that sounds like it's from Bad Religion and a song on it that sounds like it's from the Gin Blossoms. Don't get me wrong, yeah. this isn't out of place. Yeah. No, to me like I feel like Distance has a cohesion to it. And and it certainly greater breadth than either of our earlier two records had, but mm-hmm. that's a very low bar. Well, <laughs> the the first one I think was was fantastic because it was like here here's what you guys are doing the both of you yeah it's this new thing there's an offshoot right so it's going to be different and yes it was <laughs> yes it was very the second the second one i felt like it, while i love it, it just i think that it it didn't the second one was more driven by what we didn't want to be rather than a clear right. vision of what we wanted to do right um, where this record was like we're just going to put it out. We're going to have fun. You wrote fantastic music and you could tell, I think the product shows how much fun everybody had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hugely enjoy this record's existence. I have a, I have a, a, a copy of the CD in my backpack that, like that I take to work. And every once in a while, like I'm just digging through it for something, and like I, I don't even know why I have it in there, just in case there's ever a, an occasion where I would need it. But every once in a while, I just grab it. And I'm like, I'm so happy that <laughs> this exists in the world. Yeah. Especially as we are like, you know, today I posted my, uh, I'm a super like Calvin and I share this. We both think of like 
especially the second half of December as an important part of the year where you do your top 10 lists. Yeah. So I did my top 10 yeah. like TV shows of the year today Ooh, on oh. Facebook. Okay. Um, and top 10, I don't know if I'll have 10 movies or albums. It might be top five of both of those, but those are coming. And like okay. when I think through like my favorite records of the year, like it's a weird thing to do, but I'm like, for sure, distance is on that list, and it might be at the top. I Why don't know. Not? I don't know how to be objective about that, but Why like, not? it's certainly the thing I've listened to the most. This record, <laughs> more before it was released than since, but I've listened to it several times since it's been released, and um, yeah, that's like that's a very gratifying thing because with everything else I've ever done, including Homecoming, uh, certainly at any rate, and Moonlighting, I. All I could hear and feel was what I felt were um, the, the the negatives mm. when we were immediately done with those records. Mm-hmm. And when we released it, I was much more aware of what I felt like didn't work and the things I wished were better. Mm-hmm. The only thing that that wasn't true about was the Too Bad Eugene four song demo. That was the one thing I had recorded prior to Distance that like when we were done with it, I was nothing but stoked. Yeah, that's uh, fantastic. I remember calling Andy like the next day and I was like... <laughs> Uh, he was at work. He he was a butcher at New Leaf yeah. uh, Market. I remember calling him at work the next day and be like, "How you doing?" He's like, "Stoked." I'm like, "Yeah, me too." And we had never had that feeling. We had like, I mean, we had never just been stoked the day after we had finished Simpler recording times. something. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so yeah, this was this is the first full length record. I could. I mean, obviously, I now look back on Homecoming much more positively than sure. I did in the immediate aftermath. Um, it, Honestly, sometimes I do scratch my head at the regard it gets from some people. I still get messages from people who are like, that was like my favorite record all through high school or something right. like that. I'm like, really? Right. Cool, but re- really? Like, I love it. Like, now, like, with some distance from it. But I'm like, as a Craig's Brother fan? Distance I know. from it. As a Craig's Brother fan, I'm like, but you, you've heard the Insidious Lie, right? Like, I think that's quite a bit better. And I think this new one is better. Uh, <laughs> easily one, rarely deserved. I, I think Craig's Brother went on from Homecoming and got better. So I have uh, another story. Okay. So my, this is going to be my last story. All right. Okay. So I remember when you recorded Homecoming, I ran into you. Okay. I hadn't seen you in a while, right? Because you graduated and then you had some other bands and then you had a Craig's brother. Yeah, and then we were like on tour. Yeah. The brief period of my life where I was a so before touring that, musician. Yeah. When you were when you recorded it, mm-hmm. I ran into you at the mall. Weird. Okay. Back when malls were a thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, like at our mall, there oh, yeah. there was like the Capitola the, Mall. Yes. There was like the computer store. It was right by the ramp before you go up to like up and around to where the food court is. Okay. Was it like a, like with a fountain and like a, a video game store? Yes. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran into you in there. Okay, I was up. The, I actually bought my favorite PC game ever that day when I saw you. Wow, what game was that? Uh, the Curse of Monkey Island. Oh yes, it's a LucasArts sure adventure game. I never played it, but I heard much about it. I love it. Okay. So I I ran into you there, okay. and you had just gotten back from LA. Wow. And I'm like, hey, how are you? And I remember you looking at me like, oh, boy, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Was I really that rude? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, to to <laughs> to your credit, I was definitely like your guy, right? I was like, oh, it's my guy. Okay. Right? All so, right. It's totally fine. So anyway, um, I remember you having this long conversation with me about like, 
how difficult that process was. Yeah. And just like the rigors of like going through that. And I just kept thinking to myself, man, I can't even imagine what that would be like. It, it was in, it like, it was so intense. Yeah. It, was, it was weeks. And I can't, I would love to actually know this in my head. It was months of four days a week practices. Mm-hmm. Each practice being like mm-hmm. three or four hours mm-hmm. Three quarters of which were just arguing, right. but like you know, a, right. a lot. I mean, it was intense. And you get through a song, and Andy's like scratching his chin and kind of like thinking, like, "Yeah, it wasn't very good. Let's do it again." And you're like, <laughs> "Oh, that was the sixth time we went through that song. Do we really have to play it again?" Uh, and just dissecting everything, and then uh, and then yeah, when you're in the studio, I mean, it was an incredible thing. Because where you were, uh, yeah, it was West Beach Recorders, yeah, founded by Brett Gerowitz. Uh, Bad Religion's Generator album had been recorded there, and so many, uh, like some Lagwagon stuff. We were just so stoked. Actually, so I don't think I've ever told this story. Mm. This will be my last one okay. before we wrap up. Okay, the, the night we got to LA to, um, you know, we were going to record the next morning. We drove down the, the night before. Mm-hmm. We got, you know, we went to the studio and unloaded our gear. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the hotel. At the studio, Slick Shoes was recording Burnout. Ooh. So when we went there to drop off our stuff, Steve Kravak was there um, with Jackson Mold. And he was, it was just the two of them. He was like, the band wasn't there. It's just Jackson working on guitar. And he was doing this riff. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of the song, but I remember. The song, the riff was incredible. Was it the burnout? The wasn't that? No, not the super fast like flight of the bumblebee thing. The begin- yeah, no, not that one. Okay, uh, but it was it was a, something else. Still very technical, it's still, it's incredible riff. Yes, it's on the record. Okay, um, and he they probably went through it like four times, and he nailed it every freaking time. I was like, why? Kravak just kind of do it. He kept doing it, and we were just watching him and being like. Whoa, that guy is like really good and he's nailing it every time. He's he doesn't so seem good. to have any pressure. And that stuck with me. I think it probably stuck with all of us. As we went, like, just the idea, like, okay, are we that ready? Are we oh, that prepared? Yeah. Are we going to play that solid every yeah. take the way Jackson just did? Um, and no, we did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, also, like, we, there was an impression made that, like, I mean, famously, Steve Kravak, who had worked with uh, MXPX um, and, and, and did um, that Slick Shoes record, and I think maybe one or two others. Like, he was a workhorse. Like, he made you do things over and over again. And, and we watched him. Like, we would hear Jackson do it, and we thought it was perfect. And, and he'd be like, that was pretty close. And he'd give, I can't remember the, but it was like very minutia-laden sure. advice. A little on, slow here. On, on how to do it next. And we're yeah. like, wasn't that perfect? It sounded perfect. And so we were like, okay, but like, that's comforting to know that that's going to be the job of the producer. And you we, didn't have one. We weren't, no, we had one. It wasn't Steve Kravak. It was Donald Cameron. Right. Well, well, yeah. And so, and, but he, he, that was not his approach. Mm. He like, we would finish something or like one of, you know, Heath would finish a drum take and we'd be like, well, that, like that d- didn't cut the mustard. And Donald would be like, we'll take it. Like, he wasn't even listening. Like it'd be over. Oh, He's man. like, "Oh, we're done." Oh, like, how'd that oh, sound? Man. We're like, "Aren't you supposed to tell us how it sounded?" No, no. And he would. Did, and so we were like, "Oh no!" Uh, and so that the whole thing for how long we had spent getting ready for that record, 
it was exhausting. Well, and we it, we came out from it just feeling really shaky. Like, was that good? Like, I, I I did not come home feeling like we had done a great job. I don't think Andy did. And if Andy doesn't, you don't, you know, because Andy is very yep. like, yep. You you read his face to be like, was that good, oh, man? Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how inspired it was when he texted me the other night about the Christmas song that is now released. Yes. Yes, um, he's very he positive like, about oh, this song. Yeah, he's so, he was so excited. I'm like, uh, it, wow, it was, <laughs> it was weird for me. Like he's I mean, generally like he's he's lightened up a lot, and throughout the whole process of working on um, uh, uh, distance, yes, he he's not quite as critical of things, but he was never as positive. At least, I mean, may, there was a few songs like I, when we did like uh, Non Grata. I remember him being like, "Yeah, this is this is a good one." And he was complimentary generally, but yeah, he seemed particularly stoked. I think, I think sense. it's you. I think you being on this song. It's me. Is the reason he is so. I think he could sense how much fun we're having and he wants to have fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. would be and fun to is. get him playing guitar. Wouldn't that be wild? That would be Three fun. of us. Watch be out. Like, would you pick the Foo Fighters? Get like a <laughs> keyboard player. It'll be like a seven member band. So good. Um, Anyway, so yeah, that conversation. I don't know how you're going to put this out, babe. What? I don't know how you're going to put this out. It's like three hours long. It's not. <laughs> we're like barely over an hour. Uh, it'll be fine. Okay, uh, cool. Um, but I wanted to just wrap that story up. So like I ran into you in the mall and I was telling you so how for intense me, it was. So for me, and at this moment, I, like, I, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure we have next in line rolling at this time. Oh yeah, you had and so I've already have like my own kind of trajectory. Didn't you guys start in while you were still in high school? Well, we did the ska band Johnny Be Good. Yes, that's where we started, and then okay. we went turned into next in line. Okay, so yeah, so we so for me this was like oh this is like our next step. Like you got, you were like the leader, right? Mm. And so, okay, you do this and then you start here and then you get on a label and then you do the record and then on and on, you know. Right. The label thing was very shortly about to evaporate. You know, (laughs) just such a weird time. And it's so different now. Yes. And honestly, I mean, if we made it look easy getting on a label there's a certain degree to which, like, if you've seen the Descendants uh, filmage, yep. uh, Carl Alvarez mm-hmm. says, you know, it was the 90s. They were throwing money at anything with a guitar. We need somebody. Let's do there's, it. Put them in. <laughs> there's a certain truth to that line. Right. But it can be exaggerated. It was difficult to get signed. It wasn't yeah. something like any band could do. And the fact that we got signed uh, as Greg's brother is not as obvious, like, as maybe history makes it look. Like, of course, like you guys were a good band. You're going to get a record. Mm-hmm. We, we had no interest from any other labels. Yeah. Like, it was not like there was a, a, a bidding war for Craig's brother. It we got nothing right, but turndowns. It was the right time. From every other record label. The fact that, yes, like I sent, you know, something in Billy Power, yep. opened that package. Mm-hmm. And like the, the fact that his ears got on Craig's brother was that is the... like, I, I would say, you know, we've talked about Mr. Sam and his uh, his mm-hmm. place. I, Bill Power, probably more than anybody in the world, like has affected all the guys in Craig's brother and me. Mm-hmm. Like he gave us an opportunity that was not coming from anywhere else. Was that keeping it real that you sent him? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I sent no, him a tape. tape. I sent him a tape with keeping it real on one side yeah. and the other 
like Craig's Brother demo tape on the other side. From the so it had all jacks. So it was eight songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, had Money, 22, all yep, that stuff. Yeah. Yep. And all that early Craig's Brother stuff. Dave Cree. Yes. David. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, with, with no idea what we would talk about, we, we sure found plenty to talk about. Yeah. Uh, that was super fun. Uh, hopefully, what you're about to hear right now as we close the show is she's going to be mine oh, no. from the 1996 <laughs> Monta Vista Guitar Class tape. Jason, thank you. This has been super fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you, brother.
doing? Keep playing. What am I paying you for? Oh my gosh! Oh, sorry about that. Did it again. <laughs>